You're listening to the Be Well Cartel podcast. We are three badass female coaches from around the globe who are here to debunk the typical go harder fitness and diet advice and guide you to make your own definition of health and wellness. Join us each week for conversation, information, interviews, dry humor, dad jokes, and more. You guys, we're back with another one. Hello. I just love seeing your faces every week. And I love all our funny faces before we start the podcast where we're all trying to be serious. Just I know, we're all trying like not to make noise. Yeah, everyone's so like, everybody. yeah, let's, let's listen to these three professionals and we're all sitting here like, hee hee <laughs> um, You know what? I, I love seeing you guys at the end of the week as well because it's my Friday afternoon, right? It's morning for you guys. But um, like today, I'm feeling... I'm feeling pretty tired, to be honest. My energy is probably going to be a little bit lower with this podcast. And it's almost like I see you guys and I just feel like, ah, oh, relief. Like that is, I just I'm just in this little Olivia. bubble of amazing humans. Yeah. And I think that it's funny because we always get started kind of talking before the podcast. And it's like, you guys, we have to record. But it's like, we could continue talking forever. And honestly, I think that if we were to record the 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 conversations before they'd probably be pretty interesting for you guys but nobody wants a two hour long podcast right I know that you guys wanted to touch on you know because we we talk a lot about the hypoth our hypothalamic amenorrhea this amazing thing that all three of us have in common um and I know that you guys wanted to share a little bit about kind of what's going on with your guys's bodies yeah so so Olivia and I had a dual uterus party last week and it was fantastic from across the oceans I did not get an invitation I, to this uterus party. Yeah. <laughs> I'd really like to think that that is us um, <laughs> syncing up our cycles, Holly, because you know how they say how when women like maybe live together or like sports teams and stuff like that, how their cycles start to sync. I'm, I'm just believing that that is what's happening with us. Oh, I'm down. Let's believe that. Yeah. We're like very, we are pretty much like, here. we're pretty You'll insane. be here soon. I know I will be. I'm at like my last period was 75 days ago. Um, so that's not ideal, but I did have a period of time in which I was very stressed out. Um, and also the, I tend to take uh, magnesium zinc and I was out of that for a while. Um, and I was also not taking omega threes for a while. And so those things, and also I've transitioned, um, you know, I, I track my food on and off just to kind of see where I'm at and like, see what I'm really taking in. And I've really transitioned um, back to being very consistent with just eating very mindfully and really paying attention to, you know, hitting the, like we're going to talk about today, the different macronutrient groups, um, paying attention to my cravings, really respecting what my hunger and satiety feels like. Um, and also, you know, allowing myself um, to like, not, not allowing myself so much, but like just being really conscious of when I hear the old sort of diet mindset pop up of like, you shouldn't be eating this or like, you don't need to have that much of that thing. And really, you know, being very conscious of letting that those thoughts come, because I think that, you know, those thoughts continue to come up, even when, you know, I think it's like Olivia, like we were talking about earlier, it's like when you know something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your brain is going to just forget that the other thing exists. And so just being really conscious of those thoughts and, and working, you know, similarly to like how I teach my clients working to recognize those thoughts and know that you don't need to act on them. Talking about the tracking thing, like for me, although I've transitioned 
like more or less completely out of tracking. Like the way that tracking has been helpful for me in this process has been more about keeping me on track with eating enough because like that, those voices can have the tendency to make you be like, oh, I'll just reduce it a little bit. Like I'll just eat a little bit less. Um, whereas like one of the big things when you are trying to recover your period is, is eating very consistently in at minimum maintenance, but for most people a consistent surplus and like eating in a surplus actually involves a lot of not necessarily listening to your body's cues right because if if we learn to listen to our body's cues of sort of maintenance which is what our body's cues should be kind of helping us be in equilibrium where we're at like we're not in equilibrium right now when we when you don't have a period and so tracking for me I've been doing it probably only like once every two weeks but just to be like hey cool are you eating enough what like if you're eating what you're eating right now regularly on a day-to-day basis like is this going to be supporting what you're trying to do or have you slipped back into maybe like just eating still enough right quote unquote enough but just enough to like support your day-to-day but possibly not enough to actually support your recovery process the last month for me has been quite interesting something that I changed to make sure that I got this period that I got um the other week was actually adding in extra vitamin c because I had done that once and then I'd actually run out um, and it's, I can't get it over here. So I'd had to kind of wait. And I'd been consistently taking that each day, like a high dose vitamin C. And I think that that actually really helped me as well as really like doubling down on my sleep, which the month before wasn't so great for me. And my stress was really high. My, my sleep was down. And so I think that that was the thing that contributed to me actually having a much, much longer um, cycle until until my next period but something that um, I actually did this week was I joined a gym so you guys may have seen this um, on my stories and I was going to wait another month to to do this but over the last sort of um, couple of months I think I've figured out what I can handle so there's a big difference right between being willing and being you know able to kind of handle things and of course as someone that loves to train I'm very very willing (laughs) to train you know a lot because I love to do it right but my body can't handle it but from a lot of experimentation the last few months I think I've figured out how much my body can actually handle where I can stay in this place of like maintaining my period and also bringing back exercise So I'm really interested to see how this goes this month with how I'm able to manage that. And there are a couple of observations that I've had this week and kind of like what you were saying, Jillian, about those like diet mindset, like thoughts coming in is that when I was in the gym, I just felt so free. I felt so free because I was there and I had so much gratitude for my body and so much appreciation for what she can do. And I think that this is actually a really helpful thing for me because, you know, like what you're saying, Holly, like eating in a surplus for months and months and months, obviously there's a lot of weight gain that goes with that. And that's quite challenging when you're not able to use your body in a physical way to have that gratitude and that appreciation for the physicality of what your body can do. And so me joining a gym 
I have to be very, very mindful that I don't do too much, but I also had to think about my mental health, you know, um, and being here on my own all the time, that was kind of an important thing for me. And also to have that true appreciation, you know, um, and to really keep in mind my main goal, which is to keep my period. And if I get stronger as a byproduct, which I will, because that's just the nature of progressive overload and doing something different with your body, that's amazing. But keeping in mind that main goal, that it's not about strength, it's not about fitness right now, it's about maintaining my period, but to have like true appreciation for what my body can do was a really monumental shift for me this week for continuing on with this process yeah the body appreciation part is so help like the body functionality appreciation part right is so helpful when you're going through body changes to be like okay cool like let me let me put aside a lot of what my body's looking right like right now so that I can appreciate what it's doing but when you also can't do it feels very limiting. And that's definitely one of like the biggest struggles I've had in relation to training. Because for me, when I did add in like a second day of strength training, my period didn't come that month. And so for for me, I don't think that's a place that my body can go at the moment. I don't know when it can get there, which is, which is frustrating. That's a big frustration for me. But that's why I've switched my focus more towards like mobility stuff and handstands because both of those are things that I can still not progressive overload as such, but like progressions and see progress in without the, the stress load on my body being as big as it would be from strength training. Despite the fact that like my favorite thing to do is like insanely heavy deadlifts. Like if I could do just one thing, it would probably be that. But yeah, so it's also about finding that middle balance between what your body is able to handle and then still finding that functionality aspect of it right now. And before, I know we want to transition into talking about our topic for the week, which we are going to go into macronutrients this week, talk a little bit about protein, carbs, and fats. But before we shift into that, I just also want to recognize one of the things that I talked about on my weekly group call this week is, is moving with purpose and understanding, you know, that you can, that no matter in which way you are moving, whether that is walking, whether that is stretching, whether that is you know, playing with your dog or playing with your kids is like, you can appreciate that movement when you are truly in your own body and, and understanding what it feels like. So a lot of the time, I think that we have these sort of external reasons for exercising, external reasons for moving. And I have this conversation with the clients a lot where I'm like, well, why do you exercise? And their main reason is to change their bodies, which I have nothing wrong with that. Like, I think that if you, you know, if you'd like to change your body through exercise, that's fine. But when that's the only reason you're taking away a lot of the pleasure that you can derive from feeling what your body feels like. Like whether it's just putting yourself in a child's pose and feeling your spine stretch out, whether it's just standing and like cracking your back or moving from side to side, like have, like take a moment to actually be in your body as you do that. And that feeling is so fucking cool. And that is one of the reasons why I actually love training at home because I don't have these external distractions and I can just be at home with my music and my body and feel what that actually feels like. And it feels so damn good. I think that this is really important because I think that a lot of people do get confused. And we've talked about this before, right? Is like, they do get confused between this like, oh, I should be just like proud of what my body can do, but but still I'm I'm really motivated by I needed to I need to change my body or I need these, you know, these external things like you're talking about, Jillian. And for anyone that is feeling like this, I want you to know that it is possible to get to a place 
where you can have freedom from this because I, for so many years, thought that I was never going to be free from feeling that I, I had to work really hard, that I, I had to, you know, maintain a body shape, that I, I had to always be um, like striving for like heavier and harder and stuff like that. And always wanted to be one of those people that could be okay with like not doing those things and have appreciation for your body, like true, true appreciation. And I, yeah, I just want to share that, that that is available for you. And that comes down to that word that we say all the time and that you just said, Jillian, is like, you know, being aligned with what you actually want. And so for me, having that number one goal of keeping my period, that is the thing that is motivating me, but I can still go and train in a way that's going to support that. And so, you know, when you're really clear on, on what you actually, actually want, then training and fitness and stuff like that can, can move around that, but we just have, have to have clarity on that. And that's when we find freedom from, from fitness and from our bodies and truly have ownership with it. I think that's actually a, a good way to segue into our topic for today, right? Because the reason that we want to talk to everyone about macronutrients today is is very related to that which is that once you understand this concept it can it can be quite a freeing process from feeling trapped inside food rules and from feeling trapped inside having to use food to control your body once you have an understanding of like how food is actually functional for your body and that's why we wanted to talk about this yeah I just want to quickly say as well I had a conversation with a client today and she has been, uh, we've been tracking her food for the last three weeks. And she, she said to me today, she's like, oh my gosh. And she's someone who's always said to herself, said, I'm someone that's got issues with food, that I'm obsessed with food. I, I, I binge eat. I, I do this. I do that. I, I've got problems with food. That's what she's always said. And since tracking and her actually getting the knowledge and education around protein around fat around carbohydrates and around how much energy she actually needs she now is looking at it and she said to me today she's like oh my gosh like I get this now like I, I I'm not even being hard on myself like the last few weeks because I'm just like oh I can look at this and I'm like okay cool like I need to get some more protein in because of this and this and this and now she's completely detached from all the emotionality that she had tied up in food and it's really awesome yeah that's exactly it and and what what I do with a lot of my clients is working through that process right so going from a place where it's like extremely emotional around food but but emotion with fear right and then moving into that what we're going to talk about today understanding sort of nutrition 101 sciencey stuff and how macronutrients can help you understand that and then moving towards bringing back in some emotion but in a healthy way right which is moving more towards that sort of mindful intuitive side of things um and so I, I'd love to get started with us just talking about uh what are macros like what are macronutrients 
So if we are just going to explain this kind of really in, in a big picture kind of way, like the word macro means big. So this is, these are substances that you need in a large amount uh, to fuel your body. And so I think that this also, you know, when we're talking about macronutrients, we can't really not talk about the calories as well, because I think the two kind of go hand in hand because you might hear like, oh, I'm counting my macros or, oh, you know, I need to hit my macros. And really we're, we're, we're also talking about calories, but they're not one and the same. They're just related. You can track calories without being conscious of your macronutrients. You can track macros and not necessarily pay attention to calories. So macronutrients, simple. You eat them every single day. Hopefully you're not cutting any of them out of your diet in a large way. Protein, carbohydrate, and fat. And we're going to dig into a little bit more of like what that actually means and what's included um, in, you know, in a little bit more detail. And then calories are essentially energy. So when we, you know, we kind of have this, when we talk about fear around food, and this is something, you know, similarly, I, I work with a lot of clients that are coming from a strict dieting background where they're coming out of having very strict rules around food, but not really understanding the why around these rules. They're just sort of things that we, you know, cause we soak up so many of our experiences. And so it's like someone told you one time that you can't eat after 6 PM. And then all of a sudden that becomes a rule for you, but you're not exactly sure why. And so Calories are not these things that sneak into your pants and make them tighter. Um, calories are what gives you energy in order to carry out all of the processes that your body needs to do in a day. And yes, eating too many calories can cause you to gain body fat, but calories are not inherently bad. Just like no one macronutrient is inherently bad. When we're talking about anything, whether it's, you know, a specific food, whether it's a specific macronutrient, whether it's a specific amount of calories, it carries no inherent moral value. It is all relative to your needs and your lifestyle, your preferences. All of these things need to be taken into consideration when we're looking at, you know, what amount of protein, carb, and fat should I be eating and how many calories should I be eating? And then, you know, really with my clients, we don't even talk about calories. We talk mainly just about macronutrients and understanding what those portion sizes should look like throughout a day. And then, you know, moving into what does protein do for your body? What does carbohydrate do for your body? What does fat do for your body? Before we go there, just because you just mentioned that like macros and calories align, but we didn't actually explain how they align, right? And so, you know, if we're looking at this, if we go from calories being like the big, big picture and macros kind of being like the second level up, we all know that we consume calories in order to do anything and we expend calories when we move, when we digest stuff, when just by staying alive. Um, and so macros can be translated directly into calories. And so we just mentioned, right? So the three macronutrients we have are protein, carbs, and fats. And how do those relate to the calories you're eating, right? So uh, protein is four calories per gram. So every one gram of protein you eat is four calories. Carbs is the same. So every one gram of carbs you eat, that turns into four calories. And then for fats, we're looking at nine calories per, for every one gram of fat. And all of these are approximate. So there's like a little bit of variation in them, but that's, that's why you can track macros without necessarily having to track calories, because if you're tracking macros, the calories will line up by themselves. And there's also, it's also possible to do a combination of two. And a lot of my clients do protein and calories rather than all of the macros. And we just look at ranges. But that's how the two tie together. So I just think it's important that we lay that out. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that that, you know, that is really a really important thing to think about. But another one that I just want to 
to explain, and I think we'll probably go into this in more detail, is that one gram of chicken is not one gram of protein. Oh I think God, we yes. talked about this in an, yes. earlier, <laughs> in an earlier podcast, because I think that that can be really, you know, when someone tells you, oh, you need to eat a hundred grams of protein per day. And they're like, oh, cool. hundred grams of chicken. I totally get that in. And, and we need to, re- we need to recognize that like, it's not by weight of the food itself. Um, and this is where it can get a little bit confusing. And this is why, you know, personally, like uh, Holly and I have a little bit of a different structure when we work with clients, because I don't get into the calories and the grams. I, I do teach education around, you know, what is a protein? What is a carbohydrate? What is a fat? What do those portion sizes look when we put them on our plates? What foods uh, are correlated with these, you know, with these different categories, but instead of getting into the whole, you know, getting out of food scale and measuring your food, because when we're looking at, being accurate with these with these numbers we do we are looking at taking out a piece of chicken putting it on a food scale seeing what it weighs and then tracking it in some way um, usually through an application uh, like a phone application that will that will then calculate for you and i think that's something that that happens a lot and you may be thinking this right now maybe you're thinking i track my macros and you've done uh, some kind of macro calculator, or you're using some kind of application to track your macros. And I think this is where it can get really confusing because if you are not tracking your macros accurately, things can get a little bit nuts. And what does that mean? Like you may be eating way less or way more than you think you are. Um, so you, if you are a person that tends to get a little bit stressed out by the numbers, um, then there are know that there are other ways to to track your macros or to be conscious of what you are taking in without necessarily having to weigh and measure your food. And we'll go into that a little bit later. Yeah, there there are so many other ways. And also like the majority of my clients who do track macros don't do it every day. Like I have very few clients who track every day because the whole point of it is it should be a, a learning tool and it shouldn't be, in my opinion, it shouldn't be a lifestyle. Like I don't think it's a very sustainable lifestyle because it it although it's great that it can disconnect you from the emotion of fear from your food, being completely disconnected from your food, I think is quite dangerous. We mentioned that, yeah, like 30 grams of chicken isn't 30 grams of protein. But the other thing to bear in mind is that no, well, not no food, but very few foods are just one macronutrient. So although very often we'll talk about like, hey, proteins, like chicken, tuna, like shrimp, whatever, most of these foods aren't only protein. And that's really important. Like This is something I talk about a lot with my plant-based clients too, because for example, plant-based protein sources, very few of them are primarily protein. They're usually like a very big split across different macronutrients. So also starting to build an understanding of like, what are the different things that make up my food so that you have like a, a full understanding rather than being like, beans are my protein. It's like, okay, what else is in beans, right? And this also lets you look at the back of a food packet because- Although we do encourage people to eat mainly natural foods, we live in a world where you're probably not going to be eating only fruits and vegetables and meat and like things you bought from a grocer. You're probably buying things from a grocery store, which are in packets with a label on. And when you understand macronutrients, you can flip over that food label and you can look not just at the ingredients where you might go like, oh my God, there's sugar in it. But then you can look at the breakdown of the macronutrients that are in the food you're looking at. And be like, okay, cool, but how much of how much sugar is actually in here? Is that something that I actually need to be concerned about, or is it kind of okay? And like, understand what's making up the food that you're choosing, and that can be quite empowering as long as it doesn't become obsessive. I just want to go on what you just said at the end there about this being an empowering thing and it not an obsession thing. 
Because I think especially for people that are a little bit more aware of maybe like diet culture and, um, you know, tracking is maybe like a bad thing or like the scale is a bad thing or like weighing, weighing and measuring your food, that everything that we're sharing here is a very empowering thing. And it is about the meaning that you attach to things. So if you're attaching a meaning to macro tracking, if you're hearing us talk about macro tracking, you're like, oh my gosh, this is very diety or this is not an intuitive thing. This, is, this isn't a good thing. It's the meaning that's attached to it. So um, I think that that's just a really important thing. I'm sure that we'll talk about that later, but I know that, you know, or a couple of clients of mine that are, you know, very aware of this stuff, that's a conversation that we've had to keep coming back to of like, okay, are you making this mean something that's not helpful or are you able to actually detach a little bit and just look at the truth, which is macronutrients are these things and these are the numbers that are attached to that, but it means nothing about you as a person. Yes, is it, oh, is, it, is it separating you? Is it taking you away from fear or is it drawing you to, towards fear? I know that we didn't want to, to solely talk about like tracking macros, but I think it it is, you know, part of the conversation that it's important because any, so any type of, of structured eating, whether that is, you know, tracking macros, even intuitive eating can be poisonous if it's done incorrectly. And so this is why I think it's really important to ask for help when you need it and, and understand that like, if something, if someone is creating fear around a certain food for you and you can become aware of that, like take yourself away from that situation. Because I think that there are, you know, while it can be really helpful to use an application like MyFitnessPal or Chronometer or whatever to track your macros, quote unquote, track your macros, that can potentially for some people create a sense of fear of like, I shouldn't be eating that much or I shouldn't be doing this much. And I know that we wanted to go into specifics of, you know, we've been talking about protein, carbs, and fat. What the F are they and why do we need them? And I think at all points in time, all three macronutrients have been demonized in some way or another, you know, so protein, I like to describe protein as the building blocks of our body, right? So protein is what makes up our tissues. Um, protein also is really important for our immune system, which is something that we don't necessarily keep in mind. We think like, oh, protein builds muscle. Yes, it does build muscle and it helps you maintain muscle but it is also very important for the function of your immune system. And so, you know, there, when we look at the RDA recommendations for, for protein, there is a really wide range of acceptable protein intake, right? And that comes down all the way from, I think it's like 0.8 uh, grams per kilogram of body weight, which is about, you know, if you weigh yourself in pounds, it's about half your weight in pounds, more or less, a little bit less. And that is, we want to keep in mind that these RDAs are like the minimum requirement for you to like not die. This is not the, the requirement for you to thrive. And so we, you know, all three of us, when we work with our clients and, and what we would like to teach you is that we want you to thrive. And so in order for you to thrive, if you're just looking at the minimum um, RDA of protein, that's probably not enough for you. And what I see a lot with my clients, and I think, you know, Olivia and Holly, you guys would probably be in agreement is protein tends to be one that people are under eating without realizing it. Whereas, whereas carbs and fat, a lot of the time we're restricting it on purpose, 
protein tends to be one that we sort of limit by accident, right? And so an easy way I like to talk to my clients about, you know, just looking at your hands, your hands are very specific to your body. And I'm not going to go too much into this because we'll probably talk about this a little bit later. Um, but using your hands to measure out, you know, whether it's your protein, your carbs, or your fat can be really helpful because your hands are, you know, they're proportional to your body, right? And so, you, you know, smaller person is going to have smaller hands, bigger person is going to have bigger hands, just like smaller person needs less food, bigger person needs more food, right? So when we're talking about protein, going back to the RDA, what I tend to recommend most, and when I, I don't talk really specifically in numbers with most of my clients, but I guide them towards using portion sizes that are going to correlate with numbers that are more around, around one gram uh, per pound of, of lean body mass or of body weight. Um, and I say around that because it's going to depend for each person. That's just a little bit about protein, why it's important and how to measure it. I think there's just a few other things you mentioned around it, which the first thing is that there are different kinds of protein. And I want to mention this because I think that it's one area where people get confused, especially people who are trying to be more plant-based or are vegan or just trying to eat less meat. And there's, you know, although protein is the least demonized of the macronutrients, there, there's a lot of talk about like complete versus incomplete proteins. Uh, and, and that sometimes get there's sometimes becomes some fear around them. People go like, oh my God, but like, I want to be plant-based, but I know that it's like, people keep telling me that it's incomplete protein, so it must be bad. And so I just wanted to touch on that because when it comes to uh, complete versus incomplete proteins, what that means is the building blocks that make up protein. And so what makes up protein is like these things called amino acids. And if you've ever heard of like branch chain amino acids, that supplement, the, the BCAAs, the AA is amino acids. Like that's what's making up your all proteins. And there's, there's different kinds of these. And there's some of them are non-essential, which are the ones that our body can make ourselves. And some of them are essential amino acids. And those are the ones that we have to get from our food. So those are the, that's the reason that we have to get us or like we're recommended to get a certain amount of protein in the day is to make sure that we get enough of these essential amino acids because our body can't make those. And with, if we don't get enough of them, certain areas of our body will start to fail. And we'll see like bad health effects. We'll see blood sugar crashes. We'll see a lot of other stuff going on. Um, and so complete proteins are basically proteins that contain all of those essential amino acids that we need to get. So that includes a lot of meat sources. Most animal-based proteins will come in that complete protein category. So if you're eating dairy or meat or eggs or fish, like that will contain all of the essential amino acids that your body needs as well, like soy and I think peas as well. They're low in one of them, but they're also complete protein sources from a plant-based perspective. Whereas incomplete protein sources, it just means that they don't contain all of the amino acids that we need to get from our diet. So it doesn't mean you can't still use them. It just means that you're probably gonna have to combine more than one in order to cover the bases of all the amino acids that you need. So like if you were vegan and your only source of protein was beans, then you'd be missing out on a few of the amino acids that you do need. So it's, that's just, I just wanted to touch on that because I think people get confused. And so you can still use plant proteins and you can still use incomplete um, protein sources in your diet. It's not a problem. It just means you have to, which we talk about a lot, right? Is get variation of protein sources in your diet, incomplete and complete to make sure you're covering your bases when it comes to health. And 
with the incomplete, complete proteins as well, for women who are active, muscle protein synthesis, which is um, our body when it repairs from like training and exercise, we need the amino acid leucine. Um, that is the, the amino acid that actually triggers muscle protein synthesis and that crosses the blood brain barrier and that triggers muscle protein synthesis. And that is the thing that helps us actually recover and repair and adapt from, from exercise. So um, for women who are more plant-based, making sure that you're getting that amino acid is really important. And something else just on protein too is with women specifically, as we age and as, as we go through to perimenopause and menopause, our protein um, intake changes. So women who are going through this transitional phase and then going through into menopause, because we have the decline of um, sex hormones to actually help us maintain and grow bone and also uh, muscle, we actually have to have two external things to make those things happen. And that is um, protein, actually intaking protein and also doing resistance training. And so for women who are perimenopause and menopause, we're looking at um, a much higher intake of protein. Um, and this is a really, really, really important thing that is often overlooked. And especially for women in, in these phases, that's when protein is more of overlooked. I have found with, with clients that I work with where protein is super low. So it's something that needs to be um, paid attention to. Yeah. I, I think that that is something that I talk to a lot of my clients about increasing protein. And a lot of the time it's, it feels uncomfortable to eat that much protein because also what we see with uh, older populations um, and that sounds bad, but like, as we get older, we tend to crave protein less. Um, and so I find that that it needs to be an extra effort to get that protein in. And I know I want to move on to carbohydrates and fat because otherwise I feel like we could do an entire podcast just on protein. Um, and maybe we will at some point, who knows, but just kind of talking about, you know, the, the other two macronutrients, which are carbohydrates and fat, and both of these are energy sources, right? And so to just kind of explain this on a very low level, um, carbohydrates are a faster energy source. Fat is a slower energy source. And so if you remember from when Holly was explaining the amount of calories per gram, you know, we've got more calories per gram of fat, nine calories per gram and four calories per gram of carbohydrates. Um, when we, you know, going, moving on to carbohydrates, when you eat carbohydrates, our bodies are going to use the very simplest form of that carb. So our bodies need sugar, right? This doesn't mean that we need to be eating tablespoons of sugar in order for our bodies to get that sugar because our bodies will make, will break our food down into these sugars itself. So when we're talking about carbs, we're talking about simple and complex carbs. You may have heard like only eat complex carbs. And, and that I think a lot of the time, you know, can create some fear around simple carbohydrates. Simple carbohydrates are just sugars. So there are things that your body processes very quickly. Um, they also tend to be correlated with low nutrient density. So, um, so foods that don't necessarily have a ton of vitamins and minerals, which is why you may have heard to avoid them more commonly, um, but they're not inherently bad. Complex carbohydrates are, you know, they're, they're groups of, of more sugar molecules. So not going too much into the sciencey part of this, but 
complex carbohydrates are going to be a little bit more difficult for your body to break down, right? And so when we're talking about something we hear a lot about are insulin and blood sugar. And so when we are talking about what types of carbohydrates do we want to be focusing on to not have that, you know, the, the huge boost of insulin, the huge boost of, of blood sugar, or to maintain sort of healthier levels, complex carbohydrates, because they are more complicated for your body to break down, are not going to give you that really fast spike of blood sugar. However, I repeating again, this is not a bad thing to have your blood sugar go up. But if we are seeing repeatedly that you are ingesting a lot of simple carbohydrates, especially on their own, you'll see that your blood sugar is going to be a bit more unstable. I also want to touch really quickly on fiber because fiber is a carbohydrate. However, some fibers, your body will not digest. They simply come out the other end. Um, and so this is why we, you know, when we are talking about the types of carbohydrates to eat, especially when we're talking about active females, we don't only want to be eating high fiber carbohydrates because a lot of that is not necessarily absorbed by the body. We want to make sure that we are able to absorb some of those simple sugars that our body is going to break those carbohydrates down into for energy. And I'm going to go ahead and pass this on to Holly because she is going to go a little bit deeper into carbs. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the fiber thing, Jillian, because I think that's something, it's tricky, right? Because there, yes, we get a lot of active women who might be eating too much fiber. Oh my God, yeah, there's such a thing as too much fiber. Um, And yet the majority of the population is probably not eating enough. And so building an awareness of fiber and the fact that it exists and what it's in, I think is really important when it comes to carbohydrates and acknowledging it as part of your carbohydrates is like a great thing to do. But when it comes to not enough fiber, the the exact thing you just mentioned is one of the reasons it's important, right? Which is that it's not, not all of it suggested and some of it just sweeps through and comes out the other end. And what that fiber is doing is actually cleans helping- Cleans it out. Exactly. Cleans it out. nature's broomstick is what I like to call it right so it's like sweeping stuff out of your intestines and as women an extra reason that's important is because if we're not eating enough fiber then a lot of like the leftover I hesitate to say this but they call like dirty estrogens like estrogens already being metabolized in your body if if you're not eating enough fiber and it's not sweeping that out of your intestines your body's going to reabsorb that and sometimes we see estrogen dominance as a result which is things like very heavy periods, uncomfortable periods, migraines. Like if you're eating not enough fiber and you're getting that kind of stuff going on, like that might be fiber related. Um, and then there's another kind of fiber, which is the, the kind that feeds your gut bacteria. And I think gut health is very trendy these days. And I'm glad that it is because at least now people are being like, oh, cool. Like maybe I do actually need to pay attention to fiber so that I can make sure my gut is healthy. And if your gut's not getting enough fiber, then, it, then the kind of bacteria that's growing in your gut is going to be pretty out of whack. But at the same time, you mentioned too much fiber, right? And I do see this with clients who have maybe too much of a fixation on healthy eating or quote unquote clean eating is that I have clients coming to me who are getting, and by the way, the, what you're aiming for with fiber is probably somewhere in the range of like 25 to 45 grams a day. I sometimes have clients coming to me who are eating like 60 grams of fiber a day. And then like, oh, and I also am bloated all the time. And they think that the bloating is related to eating like quote unquote bad foods. It's probably actually related to the amount of like quote unquote healthy foods that you're eating. So you're getting so much fiber that your gut is just like, what the hell do I do with all this? And you're going gut bacteria imbalance in a different direction. So if you're getting like too much fiber can make you backed up as can too little fiber. 
too little fiber can make you bloated, but so can too much fiber. So there's like a happy balance with all of this. And then the last thing I was going to say on the fiber front is the concept of net carbs, because this has become very trendy lately. And especially if you're in the US, you'll probably see this on the front of packets of everything these days. It's on like cereal, it's on protein bars, net carbs is everywhere. And what, what these food labels are talking about when they mention net carbs is the amount of overall carbs minus the fiber that's in that food. And it's basically a trendy word that they can put on to make something sound like it has less carbs in. I would pay as little attention to that stuff as possible. It's just so irrelevant to your overall eating habits. And it's like another trendy way that marketers are trying to play on people's fears of carbs. So ignore that. You need carbs. I'm going to pass it over to Olivia to tell you why you need them. So uh, there's just a couple of things that I want to touch on, on what you said, Holly. So first of all, just on the net carbs thing and going back to tracking macros, you know, if you're putting in things that are saying like net carbs rather than the actual carbohydrates that are in something, you're putting that in my fitness pal, you're probably overeating carbohydrates and you don't even realize it. And so this is where going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you know, understanding how to read food labels, understanding like sugar alcohols and food is really important. Um, and when you are often tracking, but you don't know how to do that properly. And then you're like, I'm doing this thing and I'm getting frustrated because I'm not getting the result I want or something like that. That kind of comes into it as well. Um, and also just on the fiber thing that um, the eating too much fiber is something that I see all the time in women that are trying to be um, healthy um, and eating clean and stuff like that. And something that is really important is to actually pay attention to your poo. You know, it's like, that's something that I ask, or I'm sure that you guys do as well as us. Oh, we talk, I talk about, about my that. clients about poop so much and they're I'm so like, glad we're talking we... about poop on the podcast. Yes. Finally, yeah. finally. Some of my clients are like, wait, yeah. like, this is weird for me to tell them like, no, it's not like, please. Yeah, tell it's me. Not. <laughs> I, I seen them the, um, you know, the, um, the, the Bristol the stool chart. Foods. Yeah. That's it. The Bristol the stool, Bristol stool, stool chart. chart. How's it been this week? You know, number four, number three. So I'll link really that actually in the, I'll link that in the podcast notes so that people can see that. Yes, poop charts yeah, in the podcast notes. This makes me sad. <laughs> um, but definitely, you know, because it's not, it's not like normal to be going like four to five times a day and it being like, you know, really liquidy or something like that. So your poo can actually tell you a lot about what is actually happening with your digestive system. Um, and if you are eating really, really healthy or eating clean, but you're having these poops that are kind of a little bit off, then maybe it's time for you to just kind of have a look at what's going on. Yeah. And I think that from here we can kind of move on to fats um, because I think that this is, you know, similarly to carbohydrates, fats are another one, you know, people either tend to be like low carb or low fat, right? So have a little bit of fear around the carbs, or a little bit of fear around the fat and, and fat, luckily I would say kind of, you know, since the advent of the Atkins diet has started to be less and less demonized. Um, but, you know, unfortunately that has mean carbs have become more demonized. And so why do we need fat and what is it? So fat, you know, like I mentioned before, carbs and fat are really our main energy sources, but fat also, especially for females is really, really important for hormone health. 
Um, so fat is, is essentially, you know, processed slower in the body than, than carbohydrates and fat is one of the ways that we can really protect our, you know, our, our, all of our hormones from our hunger and satiety hormones from, you know, well, carbohydrates and fat affect our cortisol levels. So, which is our stress hormone. Um, but looking at your sex hormones. So if you are consistently eating a very low fat diet, you may notice that your sex drive goes down. You may notice that, uh, you know, that you're, you don't have as much, uh, you know, moistness down there, let's say. Um, and, and you'll also, you know, you'll probably notice that there's no dryness. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say it. it. Let's talk about poop. Let's talk about vaginal dryness. (laughs) Yeah. All the topics. And, and honestly, so fats are, are really, really beneficial just for overall, you know, when I say hormone health, we're really talking about overall health. And so when you're looking at, I think there's also some demonization around like saturated fats and, and not saturated fats, you know, what types of fat should I, should I be eating? And I'm going to make this super simple for you guys. And then I know Holly's going to go into a little bit, going to, going to break it down for you more structure people. Um, the only fats that I really tell my clients to limit in their diets, and I don't tell them to avoid it because uh, we live in a world where fun foods should be a part of your diet in, you know, depending on who you are, what your goals are, what your health is like in a smaller or a larger amount. I tell them to limit trans fats. Aside from that, we want a variety of different types of fats. And this is where I think, you know, we create a lot of fear around, oh, well, I don't want to eat saturated fat. Like, oh, I can't eat red meat it has a lot of saturated fat. Or, you know, we, we see, for example, coconut oil. Coconut oil is like, I don't know if this is good or this is bad. And so when you are choosing your fats, you don't need to overcomplicate it. Get in a variety of different types of fats from whole foods. So things like nuts, avocado, olive oils. We want to stay away primarily from vegetable oils, just because of the way that they are processed in the body and they can cause inflammation. But when we're looking at oils, you know, using oils like avocado oil, walnut oil, sesame oil, olive oil, um, you know, some coconut oil is good. I also personally, I like eating butter. I don't eat a lot of it, but no reason not to eat butter, especially high quality butter is absolutely delicious. Um, so that is kind of the, the, breakdown of the very basics around fat. And I know Holly is going to give us a little bit more of sciencey stuff right now. <laughs> I won't go too sciencey because fats are pretty complicated, but um, just outlining the kinds of fats, just so people know what they might hear and what that means is like, yeah. So Julia mentioned saturated fats, trans fats, and then, you know, the fats that are usually referred to as like quote unquote healthy fats are usually mono unsaturated fats and, and poly unsaturated fats. Right. Um, and so, uh, sorry, Julian just mentioned like olives and olive oil and avocados and nuts. And like, those are all in the mono unsaturated fat family. And then if we're talking about things like fish and flaxseed and fish oil, omega threes, like that's going to be our poly unsaturated fats. So those are the things where people feel very comfortable getting a lot. Saturated fats are probably pretty fine. Uh, like Julian said, the key really is variation. Like get it from a variety of sources. Don't only have saturated fats, uh, but you also don't need to only have polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fats. Um, trans fats, the reason that we talk about limiting them and not having as much is because it's very rare that they appear in natural foods. Like they're, they're pretty much only they're pretty much only in processed foods and they were created as a way for 
for companies to make the shelf life of foods longer. So they do appear in a, a few natural foods in very small amounts, but that's kind of why you want to limit them a little bit. And the names just refer to the molecular structure of the fats, which we do not need to get into. That's way too complicated for a podcast. If you're yeah, really, I, I think if you're really interested in that, just like send me a message and I'll send you some molecule diagrams, but you don't really need them to understand what's going on. And I think just really quickly to touch on the trans fats is so what happens, like basically what is done to these fats to make them shelf stable is that they're in, they're basically hydrogenated. So take hydrogen, put a bunch of hydrogen through the, the fat structure. And what that does is it's actually inflammatory to our bodies because our bodies don't know how to process it. And so this is where, you know, with, when you are ingesting trans fats on a daily or on a regular basis, that is going to cause, you know, and also big buzzword, similar to gut health, inflammation is a big buzzword right now. But trans fats are uh, one of those foods that can cause inflammation. But also, I want to make it very clear that you eating, you know, one chips ahoy every day after lunch is not a is not what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, McDonald's for breakfast, um, you know, a, like, lean cuisine, frozen meal for lunch, um, including those, those foods in a large amount in your body is what we are looking at. If you are eating overall, you know, 80% whole foods, and that's a general recommendation, and you get some 20% fun foods in there, um, you don't necessarily need to be worried about like, oh my gosh, you know, that delicious cookie or the donut that I had has trans fats and it's going to ca yeah. be causing inflammation in my body. So that's where I think that we can kind of head into you know, head into the common misconceptions around these fats, which I think, you know, I just touched on one of them is that, you know, if I am eating trans fats, that, that, that is unhealthy and I'm going to be causing problems. And, and when we're talking about, about fats and how much we should be including and in what types to be including in our diets, a great rule of thumb is just, is the majority of what I'm eating coming from foods that either have a very short ingredient list or don't need an ingredient list. And when I say majority, we, we like to not use absolutes here because you may have a day or a week where you don't have a lot of time to cook and you are eating foods that are a little bit more processed. But we want to look at that in the context of your entire life, not just under a microscope to say, oh no, I've eaten more trans fats this week. I'm going to be inflamed. I also think there's a big misconception around fats, which is that the fat that I eat will directly turn into fat on my body. And I think that's oh, where a God, lot of yes. the fear, this is where a lot of the low fat fear comes from. And part of it is the problem that we call both, both of those things fat. Um, and it's something I mention all the time, but in Chinese, the words for those two, like the words for dietary fat and the word for fat in your body are two different concepts. And it's so helpful because then when you talk to people about it, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Whereas in English, we have the word fat it means exactly the same on both because it because it's the same word so yeah I just wanted to bring that up so I'll, I'll let Jillian dive into a little bit about why that doesn't actually make sense so I just want to touch on really quickly this concept of I'm burning fat um like when we talk about like fat burning workouts or oh well I'm in ketosis so I'm burning fat and we will probably do a whole nother podcast on like fad diets, like keto and intermittent fasting. Holly is frantically nodding and Olivia's agreeing as well. Um, but when you are, you know, when you say like, oh, well, I'm in fat burning mode, you are not burning the fat on your body. You are burning dietary fat that you have, that your body has 
stored or that you've eaten. So this is where people think like, oh, well, if I don't eat before a workout, I'm going to be burning fat. You're going to be burning dietary fat. You're not like burning up your fat stores necessarily. Well, you, so I think you that- kind of, yeah, you kind of are. But the point is that like, if you're eating, if you're still eating fats, you're going to be replacing those yeah, stores exactly. at a faster rate than you'd be burning them. And it's about the overall balance. So it doesn't matter if you are like burning more um, of your body fat stores, even um, if you are consuming more calories overall, because yes, fat can be stored as fat. So will excess carbohydrates. So will excess any calories. So it doesn't matter if you're in fat burning mode, you're not going to be losing body fat if you're not consuming less than you're expending. Exactly. And this is the confusion that I think we get around like the, the low carb, high fat diets is like, well, I'm burning fat. And it's like, well, you're also eating more fat. So obviously you're going to be burning fat. You know, if you were eating more carbs, you would be burning carbs and not either one of them is necessarily better for losing body fat. What is, you know, like you said, it's being in that calorie deficit. And not mistaking sensations for that actually having a physiological effect, right? So um, like you said, Jillian, it's like, okay, you know, I'm going into a workout fasted. I'm feeling kind of hungry. So this must be working and sensations don't mean anything. Uh, and I think that that's something that comes up a lot, right? That if we, if we go into workouts faster, then it's going to have more of an impact, but the overall expenditure during the day is what is most important. And we've touched on this before, but just as a reminder that the way that your metabolism works, your exercise only accounts for a very, 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 very small amount of overall energy expenditure. And so that is why when we think about burning calories within exercise, we're so much better off actually looking at exercise as a way to um, actually help our physiology and, and help us in life rather than using it as a way to change our body composition we want to look at our overall energy intake and if we want to lose body fat we go into an uh, an energy deficit to make that happen that sensation thing is so important because it also links really strongly with why people love sweating so much in workouts and why people love high intensity because you get hot people get hot and they get sweaty and they go hot burning like my muscles are burning I must be burning calories I'm hot I must be burning calories when like Olivia just mentioned most of your calories are burned whilst you're not hot and sweaty they're burned just from staying alive so like the idea that hot sensation or like burning sensation means like burning fat is also like it's something that marketers love to play on that's why if you are going really hard and you're like oh my gosh I have to go for a run or I have to like do this elliptical for like an hour to burn these calories and then you're exhausted for the rest of the day and you're not moving for the rest of the day I mean that is when you're actually going to be expending most of your energy when you're actually just moving around in your day um and so yeah not getting those two things and you know sweating is just vasodilation so yeah and they've actually done studies around you know uh, around when you eat more, like say you are, you have been in a calorie deficit and then you start to eat more. Most people will naturally start to move their bodies more throughout the day. And there, so the amount of calories that you will start burning throughout the day will go up just because you actually have more energy to use throughout the day. So they've done studies on 
um, on, you know, overfeeding certain individuals and seeing, you know, if the rate of body fat gain is actually what, you know, science says it would be, but because you are being, because the, the subjects were being given more calories, they had more energy to use in their day to day. And so they started using more calories in their, you know, day-to-day expenditure, not just within exercise, so that they actually didn't gain the amount of weight that, you know, theoretically the numbers or the science said that they should. And the opposite is also true. When you are in an energy deficit, your body starts to slow down. And so you naturally, because your body is wanting to conserve, conserve energy, it doesn't naturally want to move as much. You don't have as much like oomph to get up and go for a walk. Like you have to kind of drag yourself off the couch and stuff. And so that's when, if you are in a chronic um, energy deficit, then you might not be seeing progress because you're actually not moving as much. Yeah, and I know we've gone into calories here, but like we said at the beginning, macronutrients translates directly into calories. So making sure that your overall energy intake is supporting what you want your body to do relates directly to getting enough of these macronutrients. And even if you're getting enough overall calories, but your macronutrient distributions are totally out of whack, you still might be feeling a lot of negative side effects of those, right? And so what we really wanted to achieve from this podcast was just getting people to understand that all of these macronutrients are necessary for your body to thrive, right? So protein and fats you'll die without (laughs) but carbs if you don't have them your body's going to shut down a lot of its essential functions anyway so in order to thrive you do need a balance of all three and these macronutrients like if you're not getting them in balance you're not gonna be able to do anything like even just sitting up right now even having the energy to listen to this podcast or drive to work whatever you're doing right now that is fueled by these macronutrients um so removing some of your fear around macronutrients that might be demonized in the media or in your upbringing I think basically what we want to be achieving from this podcast today and I think in the future we're going to talk more about the timing of these macronutrients purely because we know that that's something that's really trendy and talked about a lot and there's a lot of confusion around like should I eat it this time or this time and so we'll save that for another day yeah, I just want to touch really on because I think we talked a little bit about kind of the the apprehension around eating fats, but one that we're seeing a lot now is this apprehension around eating too many carbs. And it's become very, very trendy to do low carb diets. And a lot of the time, low carb diets in conjunction with other fad diets, right? I mean, I've even heard people trying to do plant-based keto, where it's like it makes me literally want to like smash my head through a window because, you know, not that plant-based is inherently wrong or that keto is inherently wrong, depending on who you are and what you're doing it for and how long you're doing it for. But those two together are just like, you are so severely limiting your intake of macronutrients that it is likely that you are going to become, that you are going to create nutrient deficits. And so when we are talking about I think, you know, the fears around macronutrients tie into nutrient deficits as well, right? And so when we're looking at carbohydrates, you know, what is the fear around it? So when, you know, the fear around it, I think comes from, and we've talked about this, I think on a previous podcast briefly, it started around kind of the Atkins period, right? Where it was, you know, Atkins, this doctor realized that you could lose body fat by limiting your carbohydrates. However, he was also limiting calories and carbohydrates was just one of the ways in which he was limiting that calorie intake. And so Olivia can speak to this a little bit more, but 
carbohydrates, if you are an active woman, carbohydrates are going to help you feel so much better in your workouts. They're also going to help you recover. They're going to help you sleep better. They're going to help you maintain, uh, you know, maintain a healthy a healthy level of energy. Um, they're also going to help you do things like focus better. They're going to help you. There's so many reasons why you should be eating carbohydrates and not just, you know, we see a lot in the clean eating world, like, oh, I get all of my carbohydrates from vegetables. And um, I can tell you from personal experience, um, I know we, you know, we're not trying to necessarily just speak anecdotally, but I can tell you that anecdotally, when I have eliminated any type of, of kind of more, uh, simple carbohydrates from my diet, that's when I see more bloating. That's when I see these issues with too much fiber because it's really hard to get in the amount of carbohydrates that you need solely from fruits and vegetables because fruits and vegetables are our main source of fiber. And so when you are eliminating things, you know, like even things like potatoes or rice or oats, you are also drastically increasing your fiber intake. And that can cause issues with bloating, that can cause issues with, in, with indigestion, that can cause issues with your poop not looking like how it should. Um, it's, also something, so, it's also something that some people need to be doing the like the opposite of right like some people do need to be switching out more of their totally rice past potatoes for so it depends on your personal situation so I know we're talking a lot about people who might be eating overly clean and have to switch it that way around but for a lot of people it's also like okay cool maybe you do need more fiber you should be doing a little bit more of that and I just really quickly before I pass it over to Olivia I just want to touch on you know people might be listening to this and they're like yeah I I kind of know how to eat or maybe I'm tracking macros but if you are more on kind of the like you know, beginner side, and this is new for you to learn a great sort of way to, to, to create a guideline around what your plate looks like is looking about, you know, about a third to a half of vegetables, depending on your activity level, and then anywhere from a third to a quarter of carbohydrates, and then about a quarter of protein. And your fat will most likely be in, you know, either the way that you cook your vegetables, the type of protein that you're using, or you can add some fats in there as well. But that's kind of a good general guideline. Um, depending on your preferences, you may want to slightly reduce the carbohydrates and add in a little bit more fat in there. There, you know, this isn't, these aren't hard and fast rules. Some people are going to do, do, are going to do better with a little bit more fats in their diet. Some people are going to do better with a little bit more carbohydrates in their diet, but most people, and I say most because there's exceptions to every rule. Most people are not going to do well with no carbohydrates or no fat in their diet. What we mainly need to be looking at is making sure you're getting adequate protein and especially adequate protein for your function in life and your phase in life. Um, and also adequate adequate um, energy. So making sure that you're actually getting enough food again for your function in life, which is going to be very different. And carbohydrates and fats can kind of fall where they fall. Um, and if you're more active, then you might be having more carbohydrates. If you're maybe not as active, then maybe you're having a little bit more fat than carbohydrates, but that is total um, personal preference. Um, and that'll change depending on sort of what your activity is um, and stuff like that. But certainly protein and total energy intake is, are the two, two most important things. Yeah, and, and personal preference, as long as you're falling within good ranges right because the requirements yeah yeah totally. because if it's if, if, if your personal preference is driven by fear of 
fats and therefore you end up eating very low fat then it was still not going to be in a good place but yeah that's- and then it's not a real preference then it's you know right. we need to define like what is your preference and where is that preference mm-hmm. coming from and I think that is a whole nother conversation totally. of like totally. when we're talking about Absolutely. listening to your body like listening to your body are you really listening to your body or are you listening to rules that you believe that your body should follow Totally. And um, let's just do a whole podcast on food rules and how to tell if you're in food jail. Oh, hell yes. That, Write that, that one down. Great. I know, I know that I'm team carbohydrates here. I just had a bowl of cereal before we popped on the um, podcast and I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what, honestly, I spent so long re- like restricting carbohydrates. And then when I gave myself the permission to actually experiment, to see what my body did best on, I realized that like my body fucking loves carbs. I had almost the opposite experience where like, especially when I was doing a lot of activity, I used to eat loads of carbs because I was like, carbs, fuel for activity. I've got to eat so many. And then when I started doing less activity and I was like, wait, okay, maybe I'll just eat more how my body enjoys. I actually ended up finding that, yeah, cool. Like I like having some carbs in there, but my personal preference does tend to be more towards like medium carbs and higher fats and not forcing myself to like chow down all the carbs was actually kind of freeing. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. These rules that our brains sort of create for us. Cause I mean, wow, I was really fucked up at one point. I was also, I was eating low carb and low fat. So that was interesting. I've done keto and CrossFit. So you, are my friend, I have done it all as well. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, having like the sad, tiny little sliver of my avocado and like the three grams of (laughs) olive oil on my salad. And now I'm like, all right, like, you know, I'm just going to kind of guesstimate here. And just kind of for anybody that's listening, we are able to do these guesstimations because we spent a long time uh, measuring in some form or another. And that can be measuring using the, the size of our hands. I often, you know, I'll, I'll send photos sometimes to my clients of, you know, this is kind of what that balance plate looks like then before I mix it all together and make it look ugly. But, you know, measuring out and, and becoming aware of, you know, visually kind of what do these general portion sizes look like? And once you have a baseline for it, whether that baseline is tracking your macros and weighing and measuring everything, or that baseline is using hand-eye portions, or even if that baseline is just looking at your plate and breaking it down, like how I mentioned earlier, you know, once you create that baseline, then you can, you can start varying. Then you can start playing with, do I like eating more carbohydrates? Do I like eating more fats? How do I feel when I eat more of one or more of another? But I think it's really important to create that baseline first, because if you do not have a baseline, no matter which type of measurement method you like to use, it's impossible for you or your coach or anyone else to give you recommendations for how to shift that for your physiology and for your preferences. Yeah. And just quickly on that as well is that if you are tracking macros, you can't just go from nothing to, okay, I'm going to eat this amount or whatever my fitness pal gives you, because you have to understand where you're starting from and what your baseline is. And so that comes from doing a week of like tracking to get an average across the board. And then you're going to look at what your, um, you know, energy, you know, where you kind of want to be and what your goals are and where you're at now. And then you go from there. That is a really, really important thing to remember that you can't just like go into it. It's like understanding what your baseline is and then making decisions from there. And that's why having a coach is so key because when you're trying to figure this stuff out yourself, it can be a nightmare. (laughs) I'm so glad you mentioned that, Olivia, because 
that was one thing I was just thinking about was that if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, macros, that sounds really important. I can't wait to learn more about them. What you don't want to do is go online, use a macro calculator, and then tomorrow try and start eating that because that macro calculator doesn't know anything about you as a human and what you're doing right now. So it's so important that you start off just being like, hey, what do I do now? Like Jillian said, working towards that baseline, being like, what's my current baseline? Okay, cool. What's the baseline that I now want to work towards? And if you don't know how to do that by yourself, or if you don't have the patience to work through that by yourself, and you need someone to like, slow you down and make you go through it step by step, then yeah, work with a coach. Because and if that coach just straight away is like, here's some macro numbers, go, then run. Yeah, because you can't go from like, fight, like cutting out you know, a thousand calories or going from eating a thousand calories to then eating 2000 calories yeah, or something like exactly. that, because that's exactly. when things are going to get really messy. And, and so just to, to throw out a couple of resources for people where they're like, okay, you know, maybe you're already working with a coach. Amazing. And you want to, you know, I think if you listen to our podcast, you'll have some information to understand, you know, if that coach is working for you or not. Um, you can always reach out to any of the three of us and we can help guide you um, in a direction that you'd like, but also just some resources that can help you guys. PrecisionNutrition.com is a wealth of information and has a lot of, of well thought, you know, well thought out, well researched and also well balanced information. And that is one of the things that I really like about Precision Nutrition is that the information is balanced. They don't tell you one is better, one is not better. They go into different sides of of, you know, different arguments around macronutrients. You know, they have an intermittent fasting guide that is very, very well balanced. So that is one of my favorite resources. And they also, they also update their information. So they'll go back yeah. and be like, hey, five years ago, we wrote this article. Now this research has come out. Here's our like revised version. And they change mm-hmm. things as they go. Yeah. And then as far as, um, you know, as far as nutrition, like other podcasts that I think are, are great is the Well-Fed Woman podcast is, is really good. They tend to have really, really good information. Um, we all like Mind Pump, but at the same time is very important to understand that Mind Pump, a lot of the information that they put out is very much geared towards like the bodybuilding, muscle building community. Although, you know, they- they have, some, they have some good discussions they on do. macronutrient stuff. So I, I think that do. would be a, great, it'd be a fine resource to start with. Yeah. And then obviously this, this podcast and, and any of us, if you write to any of us or the B, if you write to the Be Well Cartel account on Instagram, we can direct you. If you're looking into anything like supplements, anything like that, examine.com is a really, really good resource. Um, I'm obsessed and, with examine. Yeah, <laughs> examine it. is fantastic. <laughs> and good. then if you're more on the sciencey side and you want to actually read studies PubMed, go on to PubMed and, and you can find some, you know, a lot of different studies there. There's a very wide range. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's deep. There's a lot in there. The cool cool thing on examine.com is that they will take studies from PubMed and then write like a more um, objective summary of it. So they'll put in there, like who funded the studies like what you need to be aware of when you're looking through that study. And so I think exa- if you don't want to read full studies, but you would like to um, sort of still have some study informed information, examine.com can be a resource for that as well. Oh, if you're ahead. looking at studies, look at people who are also um, have opposing views so that you can actually yeah. create your own view. That's a yeah. really And I, I think some things to 
to look out for, um, you know, just like we want to direct you what to look for it, some, some red flags might be, you know, if you are hearing absolutes from anyone, you know, like you must eat this macro countdown, like you must not eat more than this amount, like any absolutes, anything that is not, that doesn't seem flexible or doesn't take into consideration varying views or varying, you know, varying, um, pieces of data is, is probably a red flag. Anything that is extreme or, or you can't see yourself doing for a longer period of time is probably something that you want to run away from. And then I think we could probably get in the weeds here. And so Olivia, I'm going to let you wrap it up and then we will head out for the day. Yeah, just one quick last thing before we before we go is that it's really important with nutrition. You know, if you're doing this on your own and you're like, okay, cool, macros. Okay, cool. I, I'm going to go into a deficit. I want to change my body that we can't stay in that. So nutrition, just like, you know, training for a sports thing or something, we have seasons, right? Like soccer has seasons, like football has seasons. Nutrition has seasons as well. And so- we go into a time where we can go into a deficit and we um, might want to change our body composition. Then we come into maintenance. Then we go into a surplus, perhaps. Like we're always going up and down. And this is where we can get into a bit of trouble when we're staying with these same macronutrients or same calories for a long time. And so just for me, and this is why having someone to help you with this is so important because you need to be coming in and out of this, having like breaks and you know, I mean, that's really going into the weeds, but I think that that's just really important to keep in mind that we have to treat nutrition like seasons um, as well. The last thing I'm going to say before we sign off for today is you cannot diet for the rest of your life. Like you cannot continuously eat in a deficit. And if you have been in, you know, if you have been restricting your intake, your macronutrient intake for an extended period of time, it may be necessary and it, it, well, no, it is necessary to come to a maintenance and to eat more food before you continue to reduce that further and further. And um, we will definitely go into this more on further episodes. As I said, you can find us uh, on Instagram at Be Well Cartel. You can find each of us individually, but you can definitely just go ahead and reach out to Be Well Cartel. You can also find us um, in our clubhouse room. If you are on clubhouse, if you wanted to get really personal and send us an email, you can find us at bewellcartel at gmail.com. And we will see you again next Friday. No, next Thursday for another amazing episode of the Be Well Cartel. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Make sure to hit follow on the podcast app of your choice, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It is a small effort with a big reward and the best way for other like-minded individuals to find the Be Well Cartel. To learn more about the Be Well Cartel community, stay up to date with us on Instagram at Be Well Cartel and see you again next week. We love feedback, so if you have anything to share with us, please reach out via Instagram to let us know what we are doing well, what we can improve on, and how we can support you.